Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back, Redheads, to another episode of the Redheads Book Club, November edition. We are here. Hi, everyone. How my girls doing? Hey. We're doing. Getting ready for birthday week, Jacks. Oh, my Woo! God, I know. Hey, 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 hey. So exciting. You know what's a crazy thing to think about is like, this time last year in terms of Redheads books. Like, this time last year, not to take us to a dark place, but oh we were doing Luis Velez, you know, <laughs> this week last year. Wait, that was a whole ass year ago? Yeah, it's really interesting to think of the year in terms of Redheads right. books. I yeah. can't believe it. How far we've come. How far we've Bex come. Bex is still Bex selecting twisted. books. Bex is still, you know, giving us so much to discuss and dissect. <laughs> and that leads us into this month's book, which was The Kitchen Front by Jennifer Ryan. And I'm really excited to talk about it. But before we get into it, I need to know what's going on with my girls. You know, we do this once a month. I love catching up with you ladies. How is everyone? Dana, I'm going to start with you because we're two weeks till wedding. Oh, we are. I am starving. That's <laughs> all I can talk about. I hate the person I've become because I never think about food and all I can do is talk about food. It's like so unbecoming and annoying. So I'm just looking forward to in two weeks when you never have to hear me um, discuss food again. Just to let you know, like it doesn't really feel like you're talking about it. Oh, good. Because it's all I think about I on feel a like daily basis. All I do is talk about food and <laughs> yeah, I'm not or, Yeah, maybe we're just people who talk about, about food. It's a good crowd for me. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Bex, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm getting excited for Dee's wedding and for Jax's birthday and for Snitch being Snitch. I just couldn't leave you out, snitch. you know? Yeah, yeah, Um, I'm excited because I got the new Kindle. Which one? Um, I have, uh, you know? Looks like a paperweight, I but think the it's new model. model. And yes. paper white. Paper white. It, yeah. I think that's exactly what it is. I think it's the upgrade of what I was using before. It's essentially the same. However, there's a dark mode option, which I really appreciate. And you like it? And, and you I love it. And it? I would absolutely recommend it. It's like very sensitive to the touch. So like I find myself sometimes tapping through pages that I didn't intend to tap uh, through. Hmm. I but feel like there's a setting. There's got to be a sensitivity setting. That's a great point. Yeah. yeah. I got to look into that. Um, but my boyfriend Evan surprised it, surprised me with it. And I thought it was just like sweet and kind and supportive of all things redheads. Totally. So, shout out, honey. We love a supportive boyfriend of the podcast. Snatchelor, how are you, my queen? Oh, I'm good. You know, just living life. Snitch me and snitch. Not much to share. Snitch tings. <laughs> snitch tings. Nothing new that you want to update the group with. No. Oh, I did read more than one book this month. I'm nice. so excited to hear. You guys, I read so much this month, but it, it was like really frustrating reading. Obviously, we'll talk about it. But like, I just was determined to read, but I couldn't get into anything. And like, so all my ratings are like trash, but they're actually not a reflection on the book. It's just like my mental state. Like nothing was... Wow. Absorbing I'm me. I'm so surprised to hear that. Yeah. I had a similar experience, but the result was I only read one book. Like, I'm impressed that you kept going. No, and you'll see in my book selections, like, I pivot completely after one book. I'm like, this is stupid. I need serious. I'm like, this is serious. I need stupid. Like, <laughs> it's like, I keep trying to, like, find the right book for me. And actually, I'll say something nice. The Kitchen Front <laughs> was a nice reprieve, especially in the beginning, because it was, it was, you know, serious subject matter, World War II, mm -hmm. but the tone itself was light. I felt like I was cruising along and I and I didn't mind the ladies. So it was the perfect palate cleanser. I can't Good. wait to get into the discussion. Oh my God, too. I have so many thoughts. Okay. Here are the thoughts. <laughs> Let's get right into it with a quick summary of the book for anyone who didn't read it. This book is a historical fiction novel set during World War II 
in Britain. So we're not on the battlefield or anything. We are, you know, with the ladies and the children at home and the men who didn't serve. And it is framed around this BBC show called The Kitchen Front, which is a radio show that shows women how to cook with the rations that they're given, given the shortages during the war. And in this town of Fenley, they're doing a contest to add another host to the show, The Kitchen Front. So four local ladies throw in their hats. They are all very seasoned cooks. No pun intended. Oh. No pun intended. <laughs> First, we have Audrey, who is a housewife and also a chef. She has a little you know, pie-making business. She makes a lot of things for the local fair. And she's has a lot on her plate. Her husband did already die during the war, and so she's just struggling mentally, physically, financially. She's in a rough spot, but she, you know, wants to do great on the kitchen front. Then we have her sister, Gwendolyn, Lady Gwendolyn, who is living the high life at Fenley Hall with her husband, who's a Sir Reginald, and they just, like, think they're too good for everyone. They're so fucking mean. Mm. And Gwendolyn works with the Ministry of Food to help women cook through the war, even though, like, she's kind of a terrible chef. And she, like, tells them what to make, but it, like, doesn't taste good. It's just using the right ingredients and rations. Um, And she thinks that she deserves to win, so she's in the mix. Then we have Nell, who works in Gwendolyn's house. She's the kitchen maid to the cook there. And she's really up and coming. I really didn't enjoy her chapters, but, you know, (laughs) she definitely seems like a good chef. And then there's Zelda, who's just this hot young thing, new in town, moved from London, where she was like a premier chef. But, you know, she has a lot going on in her personal life, too. She is pregnant. We meet her. She's about six months pregnant, and she's trying to get back on her feet after the man that she loved wouldn't help her get a job didn't stay with her cheated on her and she really needs to win this contest so that she can you know get back to head chef tings in london so everybody there is a lot at stake for everyone and spoiler alert the women stop becoming competitors and start becoming friends for life (laughs) they eventually all wind up living under audrey's roof as if she didn't have enough on her plate Mm -hmm. And Nell wins the competition. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about it. I have thoughts. But even better news, all the women wind up starting a restaurant in the town that is poised to be very successful, thus solving all their problems, making them like girl boss women. You know, you love to see it. So that's a summary. I feel like I really it. captured it. Absolutely. Now, let's start with our overall thoughts on the book. Becky, I'm going to throw to you as it was a Becky's choice. It certainly was. I liked this book. I love historical fiction, as many of you know. This felt more fiction than historical. Mm-hmm. So it took place during World War II and definitely highlighted the sentiment of life in Britain and living in the time of the Blitz. There weren't a ton of thematics around World War War II, I would say, outside of that. But I didn't totally mind, kind of like you said. It was like a a more lighthearted take on things happening during the war. But I definitely had to adjust my mentality about the story when I realized it was like more a tale of friendship and love and perseverance versus like life during a war, which I feel like I'm I'm typically used to when I pick up historical fiction novels like that have to do with this time period. Yeah. I also felt like this is more of a second half book for me. Um, the first half was like a little boring and recipe heavy, I felt. Yeah. And I more so fell in love with like the latter part of the story when Zelda and Audrey and Nell and Gwen kind of came together and made magic happen in the kitchen and as friends. Um, I also really liked that this was like very seasonally in line with what's happening in our seasons. It was which November. like. Exactly, like the the restaurant opened the first week of November, which is so oh, funny. That's so mm-hmm. interesting. And I, I meant the shortages. I was like, yeah, anyone saving <laughs> recipes? <laughs> no, but honestly, like they were out foraging at like this time of year, and like yeah. I'm as you guys Fall know, tings. I love I love a farmers market, and I see the very things that they're out there exploring. So I was like, oh my god, this resonates. Yeah. Um. So their foraging and their restaurant opening and shifting to the cool weather was kind of in perfect tandem with our East Coast autumnal transition. I will give you that. I agree that it was a nice fall vibe. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, so overall, I enjoyed my time with the book. I wasn't blown away. Okay. Okay. Dana. The content was hard for me because I hate cooking. I don't know how to cook. I don't know anything about food. Like, listening to them describe, like, substitutes and recipes, I was so lost. I'm like, I don't know what any of this means, what any of this is. So, like, 
for that part of the book, I could not deal with it. But for the friendship part and all the other themes, I was very interested. Um, it was interesting because, like, I feel like these women were taking down the patriarchy and, like, making themselves known in wartime. But usually when that happens in most books we read, it's like, I'm going to go to the front lines and pretend mm-hmm. to be a man and fight. And here it was just like, no, we're just going to exacerbate our femininity by cooking more. <laughs> so it was like interesting to me because I was expecting when they were doing that to like play a more active role in wartime and instead they really leaned into the domesticity and that was refreshing because like it wasn't so much like women can do what men can do it's like no women will go into their roles during the time period which was cooking I'm not saying that's now no I I agree with you that like the further they like it was crazy how even like the fact that Ambrose was the host to begin with and that there wasn't like a woman on the show who's actually cooking with rations like in the beginning I was just like this should be Audrey show that is what she is doing 100%. every single day yeah. yeah so like to have to fight just for that obvious those obvious opportunities yes was was really crazy yeah I liked how they were like no we love cooking we're obsessed with cooking this isn't a book about how we don't want to be just housemates cooking it's like we're leaning into this but, but. it was like we want the respect like what we're yes. doing is not nothing you yes. know like we're literally keeping people alive with barely anything to do it yeah, yeah. like for we sure. are making mountains out of molehills right unlike Codename Helene where it's like I want to dive out of a plane and be a man it's like no I still want to like do this but I'm going to be yeah. respectful well I really did like that about the book in general just the concept of the kitchen front like yes. I thought it was a really cute name and yeah. so much of it has to do with what was actually happening like the source materials that the author quoted and cited at the end like these these were really real things that like people had to yeah. learn how to live with different kinds of foods different quantity quality and I thought that was probably the most fascinating part of Agreed. the book. It was nice that it wasn't like a spy book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Snitch, what did you think? I actually really enjoyed the book. Similar to Rit, like I wasn't blown away by it. It really wasn't like anything crazy. I thought it was like a nice book when I started it. I was like, what the shit is this? <laughs> I was like, really? I have to sit through people like cooking and like, you know how, how I feel about changing and jumping around in chapters. Like yeah. that was just really hard for me to get by. Um, but I thought it was really cute. It was like a nice nod to friendship and all the stuff. And it was like very, his- like it was historical without like getting bogged down by historical facts, which yeah. I appreciated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was a lovely book. Would I like recommend it? I honestly don't know. But I thought it was, you know, cute. Um, I had something else to say, but I can't recall. But yeah, no, it was fine. Wow. Okay. So I guess I maybe um, am the biggest hater in the group because it never happens. I liked the book, like I said, and I felt the opposite of Rebecca. I actually liked the first half better than the second half, and wow. I don't know if maybe my mood changed from <laughs> the, the day that I read the second half, but I found it to be so corny. Like my oh, the, yeah. my eyes were in the back of my head. Yeah. It was so heavy handed, and so many things. Like I'm sorry, Mrs. Quinn seems like such an amazing lady, but like we spent so long on her death. Meanwhile, the operation to get the accounting books from underneath the floorboard was. Two Two pages pages on a Kindle. So that's like (laughs) one page in the physical book. And so so many things were just like completely glossed over. And I was like, wait, what just happened? And then other things were so drawn out. Then towards the end, like the, I liked how the plot ended, but the language that was used was just like so fucking corny. Also, I have to say the name of a restaurant being the four friends, like I would literally never show up there. (laughs) Ever. It's a terrible fucking name. Every chapter ended with like, I... I want more in this world. Like, Need when will I free. be free with every woman feeling the same way? And those, I agree, were corny parts I that were hard to stomach. I couldn't agree more. I, it really <laughs> felt like there was, like, three separate books happening. Like, the first half was, like, very cooking heavy. Then, like, the middle of the book was, like, all about, like, Paolo and, like, getting reassigned and, like... That love. was, by the way, that And then it was, like, bizarre. Mrs. Quince's death, which was the craziest, massive portion of the book. I was like, what is happening? Yeah, we don't know her that well. Mrs. Quince, like, wasn't a big deal when yeah. she was alive. Nell, like, really didn't speak much of her. It wasn't until totally Paolo agree. said something nice about her that she was like, I guess she is, like, my mother. And then we <laughs> yeah. hear more about Mrs. Quince's death than when yes. she was alive. It was just incongruent. But I... Oh, I liked so many elements of the book, so I'm not saying I disliked it. I just was so corny. And, like, you know, the author could have left a little bit up to us to, like, piece together how friendship and love can really, you know, turn a war upside down for your personal life. And, like, instead it was being spelled out for us at the end of every single chapter. You guys knew that I obviously had to do, like, some type of Louise Phyllis similarity. Oh, I hope there's more in this life for me. (laughs) Yeah, no, like, this is not... Luis Velez level but like the sentiment and 
is on that level. The and heavy handedness. Also, both the authors of that book and this book have the same last name. So I wonder if they're like oh sisters my God. in writing. Yeah. Who just. Makes you think. Wait, um, I have two questions. One, did anyone actually read any of the recipes? Some of no. them. Yeah, I did. Every single time? I think most of the time. And I, but I really like to cook. Like I was actually kind of fascinated by like the substitutions and the okay. quantities. I glanced through them. And also at a point I realized like, you know, seeing the level of involvement like some people were doing was also like going to affect how how the outcome of the contest because I was really curious about who was going to win no yeah. like reading a different also language. like I felt like this was like the quintessential book club book do you know what I mean like I can imagine like ladies. old ladies sitting around <laughs> drinking wine reading and talking about this book like to a T I agree 100%. okay we are going to get into the DBQs but before we do I need to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Acorn TV which is the perfect sponsor literally for this book Acorn TV is the largest commercial-free British streaming service that features compelling stories, exclusive premieres, and originals you won't find anywhere else. With Acorn TV, there's always something new to discover. It has hundreds of exclusive shows from around the world, including award-winning mysteries, dramas, comedies, and so much more. From production to performances, the series you'll find on Acorn TV are exceptional and refreshing because they're cleverly written, visually striking, and feature renowned actors. So my personal favorite show that I've ever watched on Acorn TV is called a place to call home and if you haven't if you haven't enjoyed it yet like treat yourself especially like with the holidays coming up is the perfect thing to just wrap you in warmth but they also have so many other amazing shows like the gulf the new season premieres on november 22nd it's a new zealand based mystery show they also have manhunt the night stalker which has weekly premieres on Mondays. There is so much content on Acorn TV, and it's just an amazing place to go when you want to cozy up with a good show. You get thousands of hours of new enthralling content on Acorn TV for a fraction of the cost compared to most streaming services at just $5.99 a month. Try Acorn TV free for 30 days by going to acorn.tv and using our promo code BOOK. But you have to enter the code in all lowercase letters. That's acorn.tv code book to get your first 30 days for free. Great. Now I feel like we are ready to launch into the questions. Yes. Which character did you most relate to and why? I didn't relate to her, but I liked Zelda the best. I don't have like an abusive checkered past, but I loved her perseverance, her no bullshit attitude. Yeah. she really took life on her own and made the best out of it for her. I actually felt bad for her when they were pressuring her to keep the kid. Like, I obviously understand the point of view of that, but also at the same time, like, fuck off. It's none of your business. Like, yeah, she totally made this agree. decision with a sound mind and you guilting her is, like, really inappropriate right now. And I felt for her with that. Yeah. Okay, I feel that. Yeah, I like Zelda because, like, she had a really good head on her shoulders. Like, she was a very strong yes. woman and she's feisty. I really liked Audrey most of the time. I really wanted her to win in the contest in the beginning was going the whole time I literally could not stand Gwendolyn like at all even when like in the beginning her husband was like being rude to her I was like well she's ruder to every like I and then I'm saying telling you in the second half of the book I became a different person (laughs) because I think she might have even wound up being my favorite like yeah I feel that (laughs) no I totally agree Gwendolyn is a psycho in the first half and I was just like I can't relate I mean maybe I can a tiny bit but I felt like Zelda had this like feisty mentality and I was like I feel that I am that and like also just like out of control in some ways um (laughs) and I thought that it was kind of insane when everybody was like no you're gonna keep this baby and she was like I'm not actually not and they're like "Mm -hmm, yeah okay we'll see and we're gonna shove her in your arms so you have no choice (laughs) yeah I think Audrey was my favorite though because she was just like a a sharp woman who had to just like make her life work and like even when we knew the outcome of like these women were gonna stay in her home like uh, Zelda was like gonna end up staying for a super long time even after she got fired Audrey just like wasn't a pushover she wasn't like of course you're gonna stay she was like let me just think about this like come and like talk to the bees and like explain why you think that you should stay you know like she like really did have to think about like all these massive decisions that were coming Mm -hmm. and knocking on her door literally and I just respected every ounce of her and I also just like loved her passion and and like high intel when it came to her garden yeah Yeah. the gardening was crazy honestly I agree like I didn't relate to any of them but if I had to it'd be Zelda because like she's like from the city you know and she's pretty snitchy yeah she's super snitchy like like really feisty 
but I enjoyed like Audrey's chapters the best. Like when I saw her name, I was like, oh yeah, yeah I'll enjoy this. Um, because like, yes, she was like a great mother and like all this stuff, but like she wasn't a pushover, like Rit said. Like she, if people like came to her house, like stay with her, she wouldn't be like, oh yeah, no, she'd go yell at Gwendolyn and be like, get this evacuee out of my home. Like she yeah. very much so put up a fight, but then like would relinquish when like, you know, she like figured it out. Yeah, she would do what was right, but it's, she wasn't going to take anything sitting down. Justice exactly. for Nell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if Nell's your favorite character, like, you're not my friend. No, but this next question, I think, will provide justice for Nell. Who did you feel had the most pivotal transformation, and did her shifts feel realistic? So I think they all, we all really transformed <laughs> during this book. But Nell, who couldn't put two words together at the first kitchen front, and then, you know, wound up being the winner, One. like, queen, boss, babe, standing on her own two feet, like, caught herself a man. You know, yeah, truly no. had like a 180. <laughs> also, named the restaurant The Four Friends. Like, right. not a small feat to be like, yeah, like, I came up well, with that. Well, it was that. a shitty name, so. Terrible name, but still, they were like, Nell, you fucking genius. How yeah. could you? And then, also, she was the one who was like, by the way, the accounting book is under the shed. Like, she led yeah. the takedown of Sir Reginald. Yeah. Like, yeah. single-handedly was like, oh, yeah, 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 I know where that is. Like, I, I can tell you. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, how did all this happen? Plus, she, like, went through all the grief of Miss... Like, she really grew up a lot in the book. In the book. And so I think it goes to her, even though I wasn't really interested. Even the Len- Lady Gwendolyn was a close second. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, the way that I felt about Lady Gwendolyn from the beginning till the end, like, yeah. that, was that was the was biggest transformation <laughs> for me. Though I can see how Nell did transform the most. But also, Nell was the youngest out of all of them. So, like, she was still growing Young up. and impressionable. Yeah. Yeah. Young and impressionable. There are many themes in the novel... Second chances, hope, family bonds, overcoming adversity. Which themes resonated with you the most? I think friends helping each other out. Like, none of them had a man by the end, and they didn't need one because they had each other, and they were talking about, like, unconventional families. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was the nicest aspect of it. They were all kind of, like, loners and came together and formed this nice family where they all relied on each other, and it just, like, instilled new life in each and every one of them. Yeah, I think this idea of like second chances, like in some situations, like Audrey and Gwen, like they bar- they were really able to like move forward. Whereas in the beginning, I just would have thought that they were completely estranged. But then, you know, in the case of like Zelda and the chef, like even when he was saying nice things before he got mean, like I was like, no second chances. Yeah. Here. None. Whatsoever. She was like caving too. Yeah. So I, I like the, I, like some people are deserving of a second chance and some people aren't. Yeah. Agreed. Well said. How does the time period inform the characters' interactions and decisions throughout the book? Well, it, they're li- living in a different time period. They didn't have, like, the freedom and liberties that we have now. So it's like a lot of their choices would be different if they lived in 2021. Like, would Zelda have been so adamant about not keeping the baby in this day and age? Probably not because yeah. you can have both, but then you couldn't. But what was interesting about this book is, like, Compared to modern times, what they were living through was very archaic. But, you know, I the book reminded me a lot of Downton Abbey. It was very similar vibes. The time period's not exactly the same. Downton Abbey is, like, 1920s. But even the progress made from, like, then till here, 1942. And then even, like, Mrs. Quint's talking about, like, when she was in the 1800s. Right. Like, she really couldn't... Yeah. She had no opportunities whatsoever. So it's, like, even though... 1942 was not progressive compared to our standards like it was for them it was the most progressive time especially with like the men off at war and like the nature of families are changing because like a lot of women are widowed and all these different things it was like interesting to look at it through the lens of like not you know it's so regressive for us but like this is so progressive for them because even when we would read about or hear about Mrs. Quince's past when she was talking about like have you ever been in love? And she was like, well, like there was this person who also worked in the mansion that I worked in and like we would look at each other and like that was (laughs) love. Yeah, but if that were happening in 1942, if there was someone in the house that Nell was vibing with, like they would have been able to be together more because also like, and that time period is really interesting in terms of like 
the British like aristocratic houses because it's really by the end of World War II is like the end of those homes. Um, but between like 1900 and 1950, like the houses, the staff is like, it's getting smaller. There are more jobs elsewhere, like just the changing economy. Mm -hmm. So you can't, you know, when Mrs. Quinn said I would be out on my tail and someone else would have had my job in two seconds, it wouldn't have been the same for Nell in 1942. So it's this, it was an interesting like dichotomy of they're so limited in their opportunities yet for them, it's the most opportunities they've ever had. So I did... I did appreciate that, and I know none of you watched Downton Abbey, right? No, yeah. I want to, so if you're about to spoil anything. No, not at all, but, like, having watched Downton Abbey gave me such a great framework for this. Like, even the way that it works with, like, the big house that Sir Reginald and Lady Gwendolyn lived in, and then all the other, like, homes on the estate that, like, were the farm that, like, works for the estate, like, it might have not made sense to me if I didn't watch Downton Abbey. This book to me was a combination of Downton Abbey and Great British Bake Off, which are two of my favorite shows. So <laughs> I liked the vibes. I love that. What role do wealth and status play in the characters' perspectives on life and on each other? I feel like Sorry, can you read the question? What role do wealth and status play in the characters' perspectives on life and on each other? It's interesting because I feel like in most books they play such a huge role but because this is all about rations and everyone is kind of like having to be on this equal playing field when it comes to working with what you've got and what you've been allocated by the government like just in some respects not as much as you would think obviously there are glaring discrepancies at the first half of the book with like Gwendolyn's wealth and and the fact that like they're able to get pigs and and birds that are out of season and this and that and cheese and like things that you could not imagine getting during world war ii but i love that like the fact that they're all working with rations and like having to make the most and like they're a nation who's like let's bound together by these crazy quantities that we're limited by i'm like okay like i i like that they're aligning under this yeah and i also felt like maybe it was because of the context of world war ii but like even though at one point lady gwendolyn was like so high and mighty compared to the other women like everything is temporary like yeah yeah every you know and that was a theme in the book too like even with Audrey losing her husband like life can just change on a dime and so like these things like wealth and status which I think 50 years before this time meant so much more than it even did 50 years later and it's so cliche but it also shows how money can't buy you happiness because Lady Gwendolyn was just searching for all the money her whole life to bring her happiness and she had the most miserable life of all of them it's very very true yeah which recipe sounded the best to you that you would most want to try? Oh, that's a fabulous question. Such a fab. Let's go maybe by by course. Oh, I, you know, I don't know if I remember. But if you remember one of them, it probably was the one that okay, sounded the best. Okay, then that's fair. So for the appetizer, I think the winning one, Audrey's mushroom soup. soup. Oh, that mushroom soup sounded oh. to die for. I actually want to make it. You oh should. my god, can you? And you yeah, over hundred percent, ladies. We're having a starter at my home. <laughs> oh my god, we should do the kitchen front tour where we each make. Good thing there's only two Bring the forks. While I was reading it, I was like, I really want to like come and surprise the ladies with a recipe from the kitchen front. But like, I literally was like dying. Like these, that some of the ingredients so were so cute. wild. That yeah. would be really cute. But I'll, I'll definitely approach the mushroom soup with the, those like, herbs. The spam ones mm. were like sending me. I couldn't. <laughs> I know, but like they really got like I thought that they did a really great job with the content for the contest. Like what. um the spam pie, which turned out to be good, or even like the whale meat thing. Like just those things were so interesting. Yeah. And I thought that, you know, whatever research the author did about like cooking and, and wartime, everything, like I thought it was so on point. Well, totally. I only really remember the desserts. <laughs> okay, well, we'll get there. Then we have the main course. The winning one was the... Cacciatore. Ra- the cacciatore. Rabbit cacciatore. I do love yeah. a cacciatore. Yeah, the chicken cacciatore, you know, did sound better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, Audrey made her like mock chicken. I feel like you would like that, Dana. I thought yeah. the mock chicken, I expected more from Audrey. It was hard to read this book hungry. Like, holy shit. Yeah. That's, <gasps> the no, mock chicken sounded good. What did, what did Zelda make that's for That's what the I was main? trying to think, too. Her Spam pie, her right, right, spam right, right, right. Pie. And then the whale meat one was Gwen's, and then Nell made the cacciatore, and Audrey made the mock. Yeah. Oh, yeah. kind of weird, honestly, come to think of it. I think I would go with the cacciatore. I would go with the cacciatore, too. And then for dessert... The croquembouche. The croquembouche, which you guys have seen, he's all that. 
Yes. Yeah, of course. The when Alice she's throwing it at him. Oh, yeah. When she like shows up with her croque and bouche for him. <laughs> That's all I was thinking I'm about. Dead. <laughs> that did not sound good to me. What was the I don't like, anyone? Croque and bouche reminds me of like those things we would have at Rosh Hashanah, like that big tower of like where you pull off one. Yeah, yeah. Thing. And it was delicious. Yeah, that wasn't for me. I think like maybe like, the the pudding with the berries that sounded so yes, good. That was my favorite one. Yeah. What did I mean? Audrey made that apple honey and honey pie. Thing. Apple honey pie sounds very. That's good. also Rosh Hashanah in a yeah. nutshell. Yeah. yeah. And Gwen like shut the bed. <laughs> yeah. She's like I'm out. <laughs> she made like shredded carrot pie. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I can't even remember with detail, but like the fact that the honey was made from those bees for that pie, like mm-hmm. heaven. Yeah. Even though like the description of her getting the honeys off like was just really like I like skipped some paragraphs. It was, it was literally insane. like we had taken quaaludes and like it, gone I, to a bee patch. Yeah, it yeah. didn't sit right with me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Discuss how you feel about the ending. Is it satisfying? If so, why or why not? And how would you change it? What do you think will happen next for the characters? So ending. Were you were you good with the ending? A little convenient, honestly. Like mm-hmm. the takedown of Sir Reginald in like such a seamless, in two, seamless yeah. two pages. I was like, they never even had a confrontation again. I was like, this man is like obviously totally like blackmailing everyone around him, and like has like the cops around his finger. Like it's not happening this way, but like let's pretend it is. And it just yes. and he never came after her, and she's not implicated at all, despite knowing about it for so long. Like they just really shut the door on that one quickly. Yeah, yeah. and I think that's why they spend so much time on Mrs. Quince's death, so that we would have like a low point in the book, so that everything else could tie together. In yeah, the end. because one yeah. bad thing had to happen. You know, the old lady, sick old lady passing seems to be the <laughs> obvious choice. But then we get everything. Else that we mm. wanted out of the book. But what's so crazy is that this book taking place in World War II, like the worst thing that happens is like this sick old woman who had a very full life passes away. Well, yeah. also, I mean, she did lose her husband, Audrey. Right. But we never met him, so it That's felt true. more removed. I also liked how we, I really, up until the very end, had no idea who was going to win the competition, and I didn't even know who I wanted to win. I knew I wanted Audrey to win. Yeah. But yeah. so the first half, I wanted Audrey to win. Then before I embarked on the second, or maybe the last. 25% I was like okay now who do I think should win based on like what we know about each character yeah. what they stand to gain or lose because honestly like Audrey doesn't have the bandwidth to do this show like yeah, yeah. she actually shouldn't win she, she'll get some notoriety for her business and now she has help okay Audrey said Gwen we're chef she's it's not happening for her so it was really between Nell and Zelda and I felt like Zelda should have won because yeah because also Nell didn't have the talent for brought for radio I'm yeah. sorry not anyone totally. can do the job and Zelda is punchy she, yeah you know, she's got the personality for it and I felt like she and then she would have had like this girl boss moment that she really wanted if she didn't fuck up the first um course by like buying black market stuff mm-hmm. she would have won yeah. I agree. She really messed that one up. Like, as what I was reading it, I was like, think? lady, come on. it's a, We're working with rations here. Yeah, that was weird. I don't know. That was why she did her that. scallop shell? It was like, like the London in her. She was like, she just thought it was a cooking contest and like you just had to work with, you had to, what yeah. the best you could possibly do. But no, you also needed to like be relatable. I can see. Gwen shows up with sardine rolls. <laughs> yeah. I can oh see God, how. The fact when everyone's making fun of the sardine rolls. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> we didn't include that in the restaurant's final cut. The setting of World War II England is intrinsic to the kitchen front. No, it's not. Discuss the ways in which the setting functions as a character in the novel and how each of the human characters relates to it. We I mean, literally didn't. That could just, have been like, anywhere. in a bunch of planes every time the reader was close to forgetting. Oh, yeah. Like, totally. Literally. Like, and, well, and maybe, like, it was just a lighthearted approach to talking about rations during the war while having, like, a lo- it being, like, masked as a... a war story when it's just a, a love story and a friendship story like it, it I don't know it just like it wasn't historical fiction and I feel like I disappointed my team no I thought it was historical fiction but like not every war is fought you know at home and so it wasn't it's not Paris in 1942 like this is this is really what was happening in the country of Great Britain mm. and on the countryside and like I liked having that perspective because not everything needs to be like you know German occupied territory like how did their those things affect the rest of the world I know I agree and I think I remember saying that to you like when I first started the book you were like how is it I was like it's interesting because I don't know a ton about Britain during this time period I'm so used to talking about the allied forces and yeah and occupied territories and it, it is a perspective that is less common for me, like as a reader who likes historical fiction, and particularly this time period. So I need to be, be like less harsh about like the fact that they're not like concentration camps around every corner. <laughs> yeah, and I think that it's 
it's an interesting period in time and, and place. Yeah. I really thought there was going to be a moment, though, where, like, the air raids prevented them from doing the contest. Because in the beginning, he's like, we'll do the first of every month unless, like, the war interferes. So it's like, oh, they're setting us up for disaster, but then nothing happened ever. Oh, yeah. 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 Compare this book to others your group has read. Is it similar to any of them? Do you like it more or less than the other books you read? What do you think will be your lasting impression of the book? So this was, there was a few books. We've read a lot of historical fiction. So obviously, technically, this is the same time as Codename Helene, but it wasn't giving me CNH vibes. Oh, not at all. <laughs> it was giving me Four Winds vibes a little. Oh, because like the food and the descriptions yeah, the food of like what we're and eating. the suffering and the trying yes. to make ends meet. That and, like, fucking book, man. <laughs> No, but it was a good book. Rough. It was yeah. just like hard to read. Yeah, it was yeah. depressing. Um, it also was just a little bit reminding me of American Duchess because they're not so far off in time and place. Agreed. Um, and also kind of like the husband's secret mm. throwback. Throwback. Just because it was, wasn't it like Friends? Yeah, Friends, girly good things. Girly Friends? And then, of course, Luis Velez. <laughs> 100%. Like, <laughs> like, big loser vibe. <laughs> what do you think will be your lasting impression of this book, though? That's a good question about every book. My lasting impression of this like, what I'm just book. grateful that we don't have rations. I was just going to say, like, uh, like, being grateful about, like, the quantity and quality of life. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Thinking of, like, the rations, like, the tactical elements mm-hmm. of this book and, like, the recipes. And even, you know, I'm sure, like, whenever any of us cook, like, there's just so much waste. Like, but not even intentionally. Like, the fact that they were, like, using this to get the fat out of it, then, the, like, freeze that fat for something else, like... Just the ways in which things can be repurposed, I think, is going to stick with me. Yeah, that's a good one. Totally. Okay, next we're going to get into our redhead questions. But before we do, I want to let you know that today's episode is also brought to you by Talkspace. We've shifted how we work and learn, but sometimes it feels like the world is changing faster than we can keep up with it. Talkspace Online Therapy can help you manage stress, process significant life changes, and more, so you can feel less overwhelmed and more in control. These past two years, almost two years, have just been trying times on the mental health and Talkspace is a wonderful resource. The people around us make a huge impact on our lives and life's pressures can cause those relationships to change for better or for worse. Whether you're having complicated feelings about a relationship or just need a neutral person to talk to, Talkspace Online Therapy connects you to a licensed professional to help you work through it. As the year ends, another holiday season is upon us and for many of us that means travel, family, and stress. So Again, Talkspace is a wonderful resource to sort of alleviate some of that stress. We love Talkspace and we think that you will too. The benefits of therapy are incredible and especially a virtual person who you can talk to, a neutral party is always such a valuable resource. Talkspace is ready to help you start feeling better with a single message. Set goals with your Talkspace therapist and develop techniques to cope in difficult times. Talkspace works around your schedule at your convenience with live video sessions and unlimited messages with your dedicated therapist. If you need a little support to help you through the end of the year or want to start building towards a better upcoming year, Talkspace is here to help. Match with a licensed therapist when you go to Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month with the promo code BOOK. That's $100 off when you use code BOOK at Talkspace.com. Great. Thank you, Talkspace. Redhead questions. First up, I loved the idea of the four girls opening a restaurant together, but thought the name The Four Friends was just (laughs) as bad as Schwartz and Sandy's. (laughs) If the four redheads were to open a restaurant together, what would it be called? Obviously, the redheads. Yeah. (laughs) The four redheads. No, please. Actually, I think it would be called The Four Friends. I was just going to say The Four Friends. (laughs) The Four Podcast Hosts. Ready or not, we're about to serve you dinner. Yeah. Um, the Four Friends was, you know, not the best name. I didn't hate it. But oh. I didn't, it didn't offend me. Like, no, it's offended yeah. you it's guys and this, and this person, too. It's offensive. No, it's, like, so cheesy. I thought it was cute. Like, they've never had a friend in their whole damn life. No, the like, okay, but, them. like, if I were to, like, let's go to Four Friends tonight. Like, no. They should just call it, like, The Four. Yeah. Let's go to Fortnite. They could have done, like, there's so many things that they could have done. They even could have called it, like, Matthews, you know? It's like, Um, yeah, I was thinking that. They could have called it Matthews and Madeline because it's, like, the new uh, Yeah, they could have opened, like, a patisserie called Madeline's. Yeah. Next door to Matthews. We could call ours, like, books and booze and burgers and bitches. Yeah. No, ours would be called the Redheads. It's honestly a fantastic brand. Yeah. Like, for anything. (laughs) Who were you rooting for to win the competition? Audrey. Audrey. Audrey and then Zelda. 
Yeah. Dana looks quizzical. I think the only reason Dana I loves say now Audrey <laughs> is because oh. she was the first perspective of the book, so I had it in my head. No, well, I say Audrey because she was the living embodiment of the kitchen front. Like, yes. even Nell was working in a kitchen where they were getting black market items, and they had like a farm, and they had a stock room full of stuff. Like, she was a privileged chef. Audrey was working within the guidelines. She was really out here living the life. Walking the walk and talking the talk. But you're right. She didn't have the bandwidth. Like Zelda, Zelda was the obvious choice yeah. at the end. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't think that Nell had the personality, but that's just me. Dana loves Nell. <laughs> <laughs> I am Nell. <laughs> Which character's storyline did you enjoy reading the most? Audrey. Like when I saw her um, chapters, I was like excited about it. But if I saw like Nell's chapter, I, I was like. I kind of like Lady Gwendolyn's. Yeah, me too. Not in, the some, be- like, not in the beginning when she was like so bitchy and like everyone uppity. in her way has to like be like she's so mean to them. Like I just I understand she's in a tough spot, but like to the way she treated everyone else in her life, the townspeople, the people who worked for her, her sister, like I literally hated her. But then eventually she's like pretty fabulous. Yeah, I couldn't stand Lady Gwendolyn chapters for a really long time. I think I, I definitely came around to her when she became tolerant tolerable. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I definitely appreciated Audrey's the most. Yeah. Were there any recipes in the book that you would make or try? I want to make that cake, that seasonal cake or whatever. Oh, the, the special occasion cake? Yeah, the this, special occasion cake. Yeah, like if with it's... With like the carrot? It, you should make it because like it's the talk of the town. For sure. And honestly, we need to put these recipes to the test. Like, did we read a farce or did these things... <laughs> right, do right. these things hold up? 100%. Okay, cool. And I'm on it, ladies. Soup. Yeah, and su- soup and cake night. That would be like so cute Really and book cute. Clubby. Yeah. <laughs> it would be so cute and book clubby and it, it can be at the Redheads restaurant. I was wondering which of the four main characters did y'all sympathize with the most I found myself hating Lady Gwendolyn the most but at the end really felt for her so who did you sympathize with Audrey seems the obvious answer but I'm gonna say Zelda like I really felt bad for her with that kid yeah and Audrey like had a lot on her plate but she had so much love in her life like even presently obviously like with like she knew what it was to have like a partner who loved her like she had a very happy warm Zelda had nobody even Kitty Gwendolyn by the end she had Audrey she had a sister Nell had Mrs. Quince yes then Nell had her lover like yeah Zelda was the only one who truly had absolutely nobody and like Zelda you know when she was going to be giving the baby away like she had these such rigid ideas of like life and literally in the span of two days had to like rethink everything that she yes. thought was like true that she was going to be a bad mother and that she couldn't do it because of like what she had experienced mm-hmm. and I think she really had to learn so much the hard way yes I, I totally completely agree. agree okay next question my biggest disappointment with this book was the fact that the book description makes it sound like four women finding their own way in a time where men are away and women are put more in the forefront position in society but what we got instead were four women who could not function without men it reminded me of the Bechdel test and if this were a movie it would not pass I don't do you guys know the Bechdel test I've heard of the Bechdel test is the Bechdel Bechdel test like when you like think of a a movie and does it have like a main character so here's how this is the Bechdel test and I learned it in in a class that I took with Rebecca so that's how I'm that's why I'm like staring at you so first movie does it have more than one female character yes yes do the two female characters ever talk about anything other than men Yes. yes In this book, yes. I think that this book passes the Bechdel yeah. test. I do too. I think All that these women, women barely spoke men. about men. And like they're functioning like the best they possibly can and men have no role really. The like, thesis of the whole book is we don't need a man. Literally. And also like <laughs> when at a Reginald, time when you really do need a man. Yeah. When Reginald like was part of the book, like that's like when it was falling apart. Like when he was away, like things were thriving. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm going to disagree, but I was... I, I see how you might have like seen it that way, but I disagree. Did with you pick that. up on the fact that Ambrose was gay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. because someone like spelled it out, Zelda. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but even before like multiple times before that, like oh, before that, I didn't. He's just fabulous. Like I wasn't. And I, no... I honestly thought him and Audrey like were gonna end up together or something. Oh, oh really? Yeah, yeah no, Audrey Earl... could have used a little love. She could have, but early on, people like maybe it was Audrey or someone pointed out they're like, oh, like he's been like alone in this like grand flamboyant house for quite some time. Like oh. makes you think. Yeah, this reader also caveated her Bechdel question with, 
Audrey was a widow, but we could hardly learn anything about her without involving her husband. Gwendolyn fell in love with the chef for no reason other than he was hot and cheated on her shitty husband. Also, she couldn't manage to do well in the contest without a man. Nell had the Italian man who also couldn't do well in the contest without a man. And Zelda still wanted to have sex with the man that left her alone and pregnant. It's an interesting point. It's it an is interesting an interesting point. point when you spell it out like that. So she's saying that this would not be, should not be bookmarked as a feminist read. That's her take. No, I do think, I think it should be actually. Like, I think all of those things are true. And just one thing, like, when Gwen fell so hard so fast for Chef James, and I was like, that was really sad. Did you think at all that it was the same man as Zelda? Uh, yeah, of course. 100%. I knew it was from the minute he walked through oh, the door. Oh, I missed that. Totally. Oh, I knew I, the second oh, that they I were flying a, a man in was, from Oh, my London. God, what a coincidence. From must, London. That must have been a fun treat for you to experience It was. That. I was like, no, but don't you know there's only one chef in the whole country, <laughs> and he's coming to town? <laughs> to Fenley? To Fenley. Um, I, again, I see this person's perspective, but that's not how I, like, I didn't see them all through the context of men. Me neither at all. Yeah. Neither. But an interesting point that mm-hmm. Nell couldn't have won without them. The Cacciatore man and Gwendolyn. I mean, she still didn't do well even with her whale bones. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't think we only knew Audrey through Matthew at all. It was just she was grieving, so that was part of her life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and like, he part, didn't help her. There was one part that I highlighted that I was like, okay, like, <laughs> and I'm, I don't at all want to downplay the loss of her husband, but I felt like it was surfacing itself so many times throughout the book that I was like I'm starting to lose sight of Audrey's like end goal here because it's so diluted with her discussion about Matthew Mm. yeah the only thing that I think was like kind of anti-fem not anti-feminist but just like not feministy was like the corniness you know like yeah it was very like after school special yes (laughs) on CBS yeah Okay, those are the questions. Now, I just wanted to ask, this is an optional question, Mm. but we do this with some of the historical fiction books that we read. If there was any interesting factoid, historical factoid or cooking factoid that you learned from this book that you didn't previously know. I learned that food rationing in Britain began in 1940 and continued until 1954, nine years after the the war ended. Yeah, when I saw that. Yeah. I saw that too and I was wow. like, damn, son. So crazy. Because I was like, Audrey, hold on. Three more years. You got, nope, not three 100%. more years. 100%. This is probably just because I was ignorant about the time period, but I didn't realize that you had to take in pregnant women. Yeah. That, like as like soldiers or eva- yeah like yeah. I didn't know wh- pregnant women fit the mold yeah I didn't know that there was like special yeah. provisions made for them I didn't know that Italians were the enemy <laughs> okay <laughs> okay I did not know that that's okay now you know yeah. so you learn something new we every appreciate day your honesty at the redheads like I thought the rationing all of that was so interesting even the fact that they were like eating whale meat you know yeah i didn't know any of this or then eventually like spam comes into the mix like all of the food sourcing was highly interesting yes even like they started the book with your weekly rations yeah and seeing those proportions spelled out for you that you got two tablespoons of butter as an adult for the entire week like you use like eight tablespoons of butter to make like a basic chicken dish for dinner you know Yeah. yeah it's so crazy yeah Okay, now it's time for the moral of the story. What would you say that it is, Dana? I get by with a little help from my friends. Wow. That's, that's a good really one, cute. Dee. Thanks. I said that it was cook your way to a better life. <laughs> oh, wow. <Ooh>. Snatch. <laughs> um, I can't remember, but it's like an, uh, a catchy saying, like, fries over guys, but like, you know, okay. girls chicks over. Chicks over dicks. Yeah, chicks <laughs> over dicks. <laughs> Chicks over ticks. That's pretty good. Um, mine is like something like you know, don't know what like someone's going through until, you know, ever, all these women were like prejudging each other round one and by round three they're one big family because like they, you know, didn't know what the other person was experiencing. Totally. Now it's time for the Hollywood treatment. We are going to cast this book. We're going to do Audrey, Gwen, Nell, and Zelda. And we are going to start with Audrey. I'll go first. I cast Sienna Miller. Oh, wow. Is she Age blonde? appropriate. She's 39. She's blonde and she's British. Ladies, I did not think that Audrey is blonde. I pictured her I, as a brunette. I pictured her as brunette too. I pictured her as blonde just because they were very clear about saying like Gwendolyn had the dark features. Like yeah. Gwendolyn. Mm-hmm. So I just assumed Audrey was like lighter. Oh, I, I didn't see that at all. I had Jennifer Gardner who is neither blonde nor British, but exuded Audrey energy. Yes, like homemaker energy. Yeah. Dana. I had Hillary Duff. Okay. <laughs> okay. I had Leighton Meester. 
That's pretty good. Right? Like, I can see it. I took the Britishness, like, dead seriously. Yeah, no, I did <laughs> For Gwendolyn, there's only one person for the role. You guys don't watch Downton Abbey, but it's Michelle Dockery who plays Lady Mary Crawley. Physically, emotionally, mentally, she is Gwendolyn. And if they can't make a movie of this book without Michelle Dockery. I trust you. I trust you too. Thank you. I had Victoria Beckham because she can be angsty and rigid and angular features and is brunette, which they made clear exactly like you said, Jackson. Yeah. Gwendolyn was such. And British. And British. I had Madeline Zima, who's the stepsister in a Cinderella story. Which I, one? The Hillary Duff one. <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> How did you even like buy it? Because I was picturing her as like the evil stepsister who was mean to Hillary Duff. Okay, you know what? Honestly, like she looks great for the role. Right? Yeah, oh she's age appropriate. Look at you. Okay. Good job, Dee Dee. Okay. Sunshine. Thank you. Oh, I know who she is. Yeah. She kind of looks like Chloe from, um, what's it called? Too Hot to Handle? Yes. Um, I had Maggie Gyllenhaal. Oh, because oh. every time I see Maggie Gyllenhaal in a movie, like literally want to punch her in the face. <laughs> and I felt that way about Lady Gwendolyn. Okay, that's good. That's amazing. For Nell, I wanted like a young British actress and someone who was going to maybe like make me like Nell more. And so I had Sophie Turner. Nice. Oh my God, no. That is a disservice Why? To Sophie Turner. Paolo says Nell is beautiful. You know, she's like, I, she could be qu- Just to make Sophie play that annoying character is No, but rude. She, she could turn things around for Nell. For me, Nell was someone who is so punchable. The worst kind of woman. Who? Kristen Stewart. <laughs> oh, you hate. I hate her. I can't even like I hate her utter the, the words Kristen Stewart. So it's the perfect Nell. Can't speak. Adds nothing to the table. Oh my God. Tell In your opinion. In my opinion. Dana. That's how I feel about Shailene Woodley. <laughs> like, yeah, you cast her in everything. You cast she, her in yeah, every single Because like, all the, the characters I hate. <laughs> but this time I did Melissa Roush, who's Bernadette in Big Bang Theory, if anyone watches that. My favorite Look show. You, like, She's like well, mousy and annoying. And Melissa Roush? Okay. <laughs> so random, but we'll take it. Whatever. At least it's not Billie Eilish. I know. <laughs> um, I had Sharshi Ronan. She is... Oh, yeah. No, that's a good one. That that's is a good really one. Really good. And then for Zelda, I had Lily James, another Downton casting. She's like so beautiful, British, and I think she could have she could get that punch that Zelda has. That feels right. I have Elizabeth Banks, a la Hunger Games, who's like, like all the way out there, and they talk about how Zelda like came in hot with like a bunch of like crazy colors and blonde hair, and that felt right. Perfect. I had Busy Phillips. That's not crazy. It's you know, kind of weird. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. I had Margaret Qualley. Oh, well, you know I love her. Yeah. Put her in anything. <laughs> I think great. she could be like Nell. Yeah, she could because she's really young. She's like Mousy. She's too. 27. Oh, okay. Sorry. They, you know, they cast up in Hollywood. Okay, cool. So now it is time for our overall rating for this book. Bex, we will start with you because I just want everyone to remember this was Becky's choice. <laughs> this is most definitely Becky's choice. I gave it a 3.6. Okay. Which feels fair, right, guys? It does. It does. I would say that that's fair. Yeah. Dana? I gave it a 2.9. What's Just the because fuck? I, I hate cooking so much. Like, the whole book was about recipes yeah. and cooking, and like, it was a different language for me. Like, I didn't even know what I was it reading. It would be like if there was a whole book about cars. Exactly. Like, yeah. like that's yeah, that. Yeah, I to get me. that. Okay, that's fine. I'd give it a 3.3. 3 I was ready to give it a 3.5, but like before I finished it, and then I had to give it a 3 because the end just like. You bitches are out to get me. I <laughs> no, swear to God. we're not. You which, just like want to see me fail. It's fine. Which brings the overall redheads rating for the kitchen front to a three point two. Okay, I think that's, that that's fine. fair. And that's fine. That feel this was book was a three point two. This yeah. that's completely fair. As long to as me. it's not in the twos. It doesn't deserve a yeah, two. I, I agree. agree. No, I yeah. I agree. It was a breeze. It was very enjoyable. Yeah. I have no qualms with this book. Okay, now it is time to talk about the other books we read this month. I'm very excited for this segment, and it is brought to you by the best place to find books to read, which is Book of the Month. Book of the Month is a super popular and fast-growing online book service for readers. I think one of the most frustrating parts about being a reader is not knowing what to read next. Book Mm. of the Month does the curation for you. Their team vets hundreds of books each month and gives readers their choice from a curated selection of new and early release titles so you can spend more time reading and less time researching. Book of the Month is risk-free and you can skip any month, anytime, and you will not be charged. So also, so many of the books that 
that you probably know and love were at one point book of the month choices. So not only do you get their expert curation, but a lot of times you get the books even, you know, early released before they're slated to come out. So it is the most amazing service. I absolutely love book of the month. And for redheads in particular, you guys can head to bookofthemonth.com to check out their picks for this month use our code book club to get your first book for nine dollars and 99 cents so many of the book picks that we've actually done on this show are former book of the month books so it's nice if you're a book of the month member if you have any previous skips you can get the redheads book from past book of the month choices but also it just goes to show how high quality their choices are it's so amazing this month i am reading a little hope which is giving me like very Danish choice vibes. That's the Ooh. book that I chose this month. It is by Ethan Juella and I'm very excited to read it. So now it is time to talk about other books we read this month. Snitch, let's start with you because it seems like you have something to share. Okay, so I read um, the It Happened One Summer, which as by Tessa Bailey, as we all know, I was supposed to choose this for my Redheads book last time. And then it what happened? It wasn't out yet, right? Mm-hmm. Or like wasn't no, on Kindle? No, you it it was either like you almost chose it, but you just you didn't. You oh, I just did it. And then Jackie read it and she like was like, You absolutely have to read this book because it's literally porn. But that being said, it is so good. Like I had a book hangover about this book for days. Like I couldn't stop thinking about it. Oh. Like five out of five. Like it is my kind of book to a T. Beautiful. I'm so glad that you finally read it. Everybody's been talking about it. This book is like the talk of the town. No, I know. And you loved it, but you're not going to read the, the follow-up, the sequel, because it's about the sister. I, I hate that shit. I know. I hate when like you read she- a book and then this, like the follow-up or like the sequel is about like a r- other random character in the book. Gus. Like, no, I'm... Gu- Gus. Yeah. No, but at least Gus was like part of the main point of like the first book. This is just like about her sister. Yeah. I don't care. I couldn't care less. And then second... I read The Love Hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood. I've been seeing that book everywhere. Keep it's us- really good. It's really cute. Um, I feel like the end was just like it was quickly wrapped. So like I would have liked a little bit more of like the good parts. But it was um, it was actually a really good book. I really enjoyed it. And I would give it like a four out of five. Wow. But that's it. Okay. Nice. Good to know. Dana? I only read one book this <gasps> month. Is everything I know. okay? I've just been planning a wedding. It's coming oh, that's fair. away. Wow, dude. But it was The Woman in Cabin 10, which I feel like everyone's read by Ruth Ware. I wasn't so impressed. It was like a thriller mystery, blah, blah, blah. It's similar to you, I think I was just in a different mindset. Like if I had been open to the book, it would have been better, but I gave it a 3.0. Great. Bex? Wow, you almost didn't even tap me <laughs> no. because like you know that it's unbelievable that like if I no, dare no, no, read I, another I was, book. I was I meant to tap you, sorry. I was just thinking about something else. I didn't read anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're like gaslighting me. Okay, cool, cool. Okay, everyone, if you're sitting down, I'll share all the books that I read this oh month. My God. How many did I read? One, two, three, four, five. Oh my wow. god. Okay. First I read Jane Eyre, which by the way, I had started a month ago before we recorded last episode. So I didn't read the whole book. I read the second half. You guys, I just could not fucking get into it. I'm not going to sit here and say like, Jane Eyre is a four out of five. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm sorry. It was just like, I'm. it's funny. Like I've made so much progress. You know, I read so much. I'm really always trying to better myself and like expand my brain. And like this book said to me, like, bitch, you are not smart. Like it just, it was so difficult for me. Like I felt like I was back in high school, like doing the reading struggling and it was it was obviously a good book but like I was just not into it like I was just reading like to get through it because I wasn't going to be like I can't finish it but it was just like so long and I'm glad I did it so that I don't do something like that again okay four out of five even though like that's a joke (laughs) then I read The Party Crasher by Sophie Kinsella you guys know Sophie Kinsella is my favorite author she wrote Confessions of a Shopaholic she writes like so many romantic comedy books that make me like laugh out like I'm obsessed she's the best like romance author I think however this (laughs) book was my least favorite book of hers it was just like the main character was so annoying so out of touch like could not relate whatsoever like such a baby a whiny baby and I would just like I really didn't like her it took her like the whole book till she finally like made some sense and I was like I have no time for you girly girl three out of five then I read This Tender Land by mm. William Kent Kruger, which was a Dana's recommendation. Dana had said, quote, similar to Crawdad's vibes. <laughs> now, 
I see why she said that, you know, because it was, it's like a Are you Americana. Gonna, I just like, I really want to read it. So like, I just hope that there's no spoilers. I have okay. No spoilers. I see why you said it was similar to Crawdads, but for me, it didn't bring me to that place. But I gave it a four out of five because it was a great book. And also the time, place, subject matter, won't be spoiling anything, were all new territory for me that I so appreciated reading about. But just, I felt like I was just reading it to finish it. And I never really like got caught up in it. I understand. Okay, thank you for we your understand. Thank you for your understanding. Then I read Apples Never Fall by Leanne Moriarty. This is the new Leanne oh, Moriarty I book. Read that. Yeah. Um, so here's where my thoughts. I gave it a three, which I think it was a very much a three. The beginning was like X, eh, kind of slow, but like, where are we going with this? Interesting. Then the middle got pretty good. And I actually really liked the way that the plot wrapped up. The end, Leanne Moriarty took her ship stabbed a hole in the bottom <laughs> and sunk it you guys I'm, I'm gonna spoil the it's not a spoiler do it, do it's it. not a spoiler but so the end is set like in real time and then they go into covid no. like the, oh my god like the book should have ended you know there was like the happy ending that we were all yep. looking for and then she talks about what they all did during covid and like all of these things and i'm she ruined the book. She and wanted it, to be relevant. It was like an epilogue, but it wasn't an epilogue. It was chapters. It was like the last maybe 15% that was like an addendum to this book that was like about COVID. She absolutely ruined the book. Then there was also like one loose thread about something that happens like at the end end when like nothing needed to happen again. That was so disturbing. <laughs> and I like can't make sense of it. I don't even, it was so crazy. And also like her books are set in Australia. So it's like, it's COVID in Australia. Like, I was so oh, depressed. Like, it's so awful. And, like, you learn to love these characters. And I'm like, wait, are, are they going to... Is Joy Delaney going to be okay? She hasn't left her house in two years. Like, it was just so great. Like, she ruined the book. Ruined. That's and that exciting. way it could have been a lot shorter if she didn't do all that. I don't know why she felt like she needed to do it. It was awful. I like, also feel like okay, COVID in it. Australia was like... They were in lockdown for, like, three months. And they were like, oh, there's no COVID here. We're good. I thought they were back Let's, in Aust- are no. they back in lockdown right They're now. They're still in lockdown. Like if you leave your house for like any sort of frivolous reason, like you will be arrested. Killing dogs, okay. but killing dogs so people don't go to the shelters to get dogs. Like you cannot leave your house. But I thought that like they had eradicated COVID. Like they, they did. They like for, took they, their masks they off did for a bit. But their, now they're back. Their COVID numbers are so low because you will get arrested if you, you will get attacked, <laughs> thrown to the ground by a police officer if you try and leave your house. Like they are in a full dystopian state over yeah. there. And so all of these characters that you've come to know and love, I'm just like, I'm praying for you guys. I guess same. Um, <laughs> you know, it was, it, she ruined her, I, I, it was guess shocking. Same. It was shocking. That's like, sick. Even they talk about like being on a plane and she's wearing a mask and she talks about the feeling of wearing a mask. I'm like, why and the book had nothing to do with COVID. Nothing. Nothing. That's really annoying. I'm sorry so that happened to you. Yeah. I wonder if like anybody else felt the same way. I was like in shock. Then um, I read Franny and Zoe by J.D. Salinger because I was looking for like a light, a mousse-bouche, something like serious. Because again, like Apples Never Fall, it just got like so stupid. So I was like, I want something like with gravitas, but that's like an easy read. And that's literally Franny and Zoe because it's extremely short. Oh my God, I felt like such a dumbass again. I could like yeah, barely... Yeah, J.D. Salinger's intense, It Jax. was like I... You have I to read Catcher in the Rye first. I'm not, I'm not going to. <laughs> I was trying so hard to like get involved and I could not. And I finished it, and again, like three stars, but like Definitely obviously, obviously mm. not three stars. Guys, JD Salinger's wife was the one who went to the boarding school in Luckiest Girl Alive, which is how they touted the school as like the most famous school. And that made this book better, knowing that it had a tie to Luckiest Girl Alive. But like, I'm not gonna, I'm not. I'm not going to say it wasn't a good book. It just was not the right book. I think book. you would like Catcher in the Rye if you were to ever give him another chance, which maybe will be in a few years it's from now. It's not not giving him another chance. Like, I'm not going to give me another chance <laughs> because I obviously am not up to these tasks that I keep setting out for myself. <laughs> but I'm back at this spot. I mean, next I'm going to read my book of the month book, but I'm still in this spot of like every time I finish a book, I don't know where to turn. I, really, I've like, been there recently too. It's a hard place to be in. And also, The Kitchen Front was my 50th book of the year. Wow. wow. Mm-hmm. Nice. But for Jax. a little context, last year, um, Cassidy Holmes was my 50th book. So I'm 10 books behind 
in the month because Cassidy Holmes was the month before Luisa Loez. What's your Whoa. goal for the year? My goal for the year is, is always 50. So oh. like I'm cool. I'm chilling. You did it. But last year I read 65. Whoa. Yeah. Maybe it should be 66 this year. No, I, but I'm behind from last. Like, I'm not doing well. But maybe you can catch up, Jax. No, no, no. Especially, I don't even have books to read, and it, like, it's taking me forever. <laughs> I so, can't believe you've read that much. I think I've read four books, and they've all been read. <laughs> no, you've read <laughs> 10 books. Wow. Yeah. And we did two because we did Claudia's at the beginning of the year. Whoa, that was all this year? Uh-huh. Oh, my Holy God. Crap. It's crazy. This is our 25th episode. We've read 25 that books for the Redheads. Like, that's pretty cool. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. That's really amazing, you guys. I'm so proud of us. We should open a restaurant called The Redheads. (laughs) Literally. So that's everything I read this month. Very all over the place. Like, wouldn't give specific recommendations other than this Tenderland if you're looking for, you know, an Americana novella. I want to read that. You would like it. You should. You should. It was an objectively good book, well-written. The main character started to bother me. Mm -hmm. Okay, now it is time for Dana to share with us her choice, which is also the last book of the year for the Redheads. Oh, my God. It's the Addie LaRue of 2021. Wow. I kind of miss Addie LaRue. I miss that bitch so much. I was thinking about her last night. That was just, like, a good time in life. Like, when we were, like, recapping Addie LaRue and talking about it, it was just, like, December of last year must have been, like, good vibes. Yeah, we had good energy. We had good energy, and I just, I miss Addie LaRue. I miss Snitchy LaRue. I miss Snitchy LaRue. You're so snitchy, LaRue. I know. All right, what is it? I hope it's good. You're going to hate it. It is The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. What's okay. it about? Um, I was drawn to it because it was very, if you guys have ever watched the movie The Butterfly Effect, which is my favorite of all time, it had that vibe where it's like all the different paths your life can take and, you know, contemplating what the choices you made. And it talks about like a library that you read at the end of your life. So I'm obsessed with like libraries. That sounds interesting. And that concept. So like it sounded good. I haven't heard like bad or amazing reviews I think it'll be you know run of the mill middle but that's for you to decide this book has been like on every yeah, yeah, and it's everywhere all so. year every time I go to a list of like most popular books I've read so many of them and then this book is always sitting there and I'm like I'm not gonna read that book <laughs> yeah. ever so I'm actually really glad that you okay, chose good. it so finally I can like take it off and see what all the hype is about but it has over four stars on Goodreads and I think it's like a very good book. Okay, it's good. already on my Kindle, which is saying something. Like someone out there in my family is reading it. It's like oh, kind wow. of like a book of the year, sort of. It's like a crawdads. Oh my god, I'm so excited to read it. Yeah, no, it's a very good choice. I'm surprised neither none of us like had chosen it or that we didn't choose it a year it's, ago. That wasn't really on my radar. Like I hadn't seen it on many of the lists. Oh, but I just I've been also avoiding wasn't really it for twelve months. <laughs> I was just like so drawn to the kitchen front. <laughs> yeah. No, no, but I'm I'm like I'm glad that we're gonna see what all the the okay, fuss good. is about. Me too. Okay, everyone. Well, thank you so much for joining for another wonderful episode of Redheads. Bex, thanks for picking such a book club fun book. <laughs> I Honestly, this was a very fun episode, and I'm glad. I'm glad for it. Me too. So I We made it happen. We made it happen, and I hope that you guys enjoyed the book, and even if you didn't enjoy the book, that you enjoyed this episode, and that you'll continue being a redhead. So we will see you on the next one. Everyone have a great month. Bye. Bye. <laughs>